0: If you'll turn there with me this morning, if if you're not already there, uh, Eric mentioned it's in the Pew Bible there, Uh, we'd love for you to turn there. Uh, Acts is in the New Testament. Uh, You've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then you've got Acts. And so we'd love for you to turn and, and look with us there in chapter three. And I want to ask you a question this morning as we begin. Have you ever had one of those times where you had a reality check? I mean, there, there, there's, there's those defining moments in our life, maybe it's happened once or maybe twice or maybe a little more times where we wake up to reality. And maybe we've been coasting along for a while and, and we just, maybe things aren't going well and, and, and we're like, man, why aren't things going well? And then that conversation with a friend or maybe a parent. And, and they help you to see or to understand where things are off And you just kind of need to be awakened to reality. You ever had that before? I'm sure we have. For some of us, those were some key defining moments when we had that reality check. Reality checks are big. And this morning, I think we get that. I think we get a reality check about what is real, what is true, and what is most important. And the context here is important as well. Um, We're entering a a place in scripture where a man by the name of Peter, he's an apostle, he's a follower of Christ, is preaching a sermon, much like I am doing this morning, and he's preaching a sermon to a crowd of people in the temple courts in Jerusalem. And that crowd is there because something amazing has just happened. There is a a man who's been in the temple uh, for many years. He's a man who hasn't been able to walk. Uh, since his birth. And he's been sat at the gates of the temple begging for money. He's been asking for money for everyone who enters in the temple to give him financial benefit. And on this particular day, Peter and John, two apostles of Jesus Christ, walk into the temple just like they do any other day to go pray. It was a tradition that Jews would do, it was a tradition that Jewish Christians continued to do, and so they would have seen this guy before. They would have probably passed money out to this guy before. And so they see this guy, and on this day, the scripture tells us that Peter gazed into the eyes of this lame beggar. And on this day, this man asked, basically, why are you looking at me? And Peter said, what I have to give you today is is not money I don't have silver and gold to give to you, but I have something else to give to you. And Peter looks at the man and he says, in the name of Jesus, walk. And so it's amazing because for many years, this man has been sitting there lame and all of a sudden he does walk. He gets up, he starts walking, he starts dancing, he starts praising God and the whole crowd in the temple take note of this because they've seen this guy. This is a miracle. It's the impossible right before their eyes. And so they start coming to Peter and John, fixed on them like, what did you do? Remember what Peter said? This isn't anything that we've done. It's not by our power. It's not by magic. It's not by witchcraft. It's not mind over matter or anything like that. But it's by the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Jesus had given Peter faith. Faith that moves mountains, faith that heals people. That kind of faith. No power in Peter, but the power is in who? In the name of Jesus Christ. And I want you to hear that today. Jesus heals. He takes the lame and he can cause them to walk. He takes the broken heart, the dead heart, and he can heal a heart and he can cause it to beat with spiritual life. That's what Jesus does. And on this day, he heals this man. And so Peter takes the opportunity as this crowd is gathered. They're amazed. They're in wonder. And he begins to talk about the name of Jesus, who Jesus is. And so we saw that last week. And this week, we see the last part of the sermon. And here's what I want you to see. I want you to see what reality is. Because if we don't get this, we don't get life. If we don't get this, we miss why we are here. We miss reality. Look at verse 17. I want to walk through these verses with you this morning. Some of them are a little difficult, so hang with me for a little bit and help me kind of unpack them for you. But listen to what is said here. It says, and now, in verse 17, brethren, he's talking to the Israelites. That's the primary, primarily the, the, uh, the crowd that he has before them. They're, they're Jews. And he says to them, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your rulers did also. Interesting here. I know that you acted in ignorance. In ignorance about what? In ignorance about the death of Jesus. You remember last week? Peter told the crowd, this is who Jesus is. He's the servant of the Lord. He's the one that God has glorified. He's the one that God has raised from the dead. He is the author of life. And he told the crowd that Jesus is the one that you chose to put on the cross, and instead you allowed Pilate to release a murderer to you instead of Jesus. And he put that on the crowd and he said you are responsible for that. And really all of humanity, even you and I, are responsible for that. Of saying no to the author of life and allowing murderers like Barabbas walk our streets. That's what we do when we reject Jesus. And that's what this crowd had done. And Peter says, I know when you did that. I I know that you acted in ignorance. Jesus said something very similar when he was on the cross. You remember when he was on the cross, he said a few things. One of the things he said is he said, Father, as he looked up into heaven, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. They do not know that they are putting to death Jesus, who is the son of God. And Peter is saying the same thing on this day to the crowd. He's saying, I know you didn't know what you were really doing. They lacked knowing, they lacked understanding, they lacked spiritual understanding of who truly Jesus is, that he is the Messiah, that he's the only one who can say that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And yet, they put him to death on a cross. that's why Peter says, you're ignorant. There's a saying we hear often with ignorance. People say, ignorance is bliss. In this text, that's not true. (laughs) Ignorance is destructive. Ignorance is damning, eternal damning. Ignorance is definitely not blitz. And so the crowd, the religious leaders, they're ignorant, Peter says. They're ignorant about who Jesus is, that he's the son of God. And therefore, they're, they're checked out when it comes to reality, And so, Peter is going to do the most loving thing that anyone can do. He's going to share with them what truth is, he's going to share to them what reality is. And so, how does he do that? Look at verse 18. He says this But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Peter shares reality here with the crowd by directing them to the promises of God that were spoken by God's prophets of old. You see, back in the Old Testament, from Genesis all the way to Malachi, you have God's writings where he spoke through prophets from the likes of Moses, to the likes of Samuel, to the likes of even Abraham we're going to see in this text today. And he spoke through his prophets of old, even through Isaiah, centuries before Christ would even be born, with a verse like this. Listen to Isaiah 53. He says that he poured himself out to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. Who's that talking about? It's talking about the Messiah who would come. And who is that? It's Jesus. And so what is Peter doing here? He's letting the crowd know this. He's letting you and I know this today, that God fulfills his hope-giving promises in spite of even through the opposition of ignorant people. God will be faithful to his promises and even use the opposition and ignorance of others. And that's what he makes clear, clear today. This means that God, when he decrees something, he will fulfill it. And even he'll take the opposition of others, the ignorance and even the godlessness of others and use it for his good. He's an unstoppable force. He will make all opposition, all ignorance serve his purpose. And that's what he did in the death of Jesus Christ. He took the ignorance of many to put his son on on the cross, and yet through his son dying on the cross, through that, he would forgive the sins of many. That's what God does. His purposes cannot be stopped. And so what Peter is saying here is something that is huge, is that reality is about Jesus. Reality begins and ends with Jesus, And so how does he paint that picture here? Look at these verses. Eric read them to you. I want to read them to you again. Look at verse 19 through 26 and and just listen as we read these. He says, therefore, as a result of what I just got done saying, you you don't know you're in ignorance, but, but God has promised things from beforehand about Jesus and he fulfilled them. He promised them, he fulfilled them. And then listen to what he says. He says, therefore, repent and return. Turn around. Stop listening to the ways of the world and instead turn to this. So that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send Jesus, the Christ appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient time. And then Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren, from the Israelites. To him you shall give heed to everything he says to you. And it will be that every soul that does not heed that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. And likewise, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and his successors onward also announced these days. Remember that phrase, it's huge. It's huge. It is you who are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with your fathers saying to Abraham and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed for you first God raised up his servant, sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. Peter is painting a picture of reality and he gives us three points of reality right here. The the first one is this, that God points to the ultimate reality through his prophets of old. That's the first point. He points to the ultimate reality through his prophets of old. Uh, Look at verse 21. He, He says right here again, Whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient time. God has spoken through men all through time. You might be saying, how has he done that? By his spirit, he has inspired men uh, to speak and to write what we have here in the Bible. That's why we call it God's word. In fact, listen to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. Peter tells us, but know this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. So what does that mean this morning for us? It means that this word right here, it can be trusted. You can trust the word of God. It is God's word. You can trust his promises. You, You can take him to the bank. You can bank on him. And we can bank on this, that what God foretold, what he foretold, he fulfills without a doubt. And what God foretold, he did so through the likes of Moses. Look at verse 22. How did he speak about this ultimate reality? He spoke about it through Moses. It says, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet. So ask this question, who's that prophet? And he says, this prophet will be like me from your brethren to whom you shall give heed to everything he says to you. And so he talked about this ultimate reality through Moses. Not only that, he says in verse 24, through all the prophets, he spoke of this ultimate reality. Even through Samuel and his successors. And even in verse 25, who does he mention? He even mentions Abraham. And so what did the prophets announce? Who is this ultimate reality that they all pointed to? It's Jesus. That's who they pointed to. From Moses, he is, Jesus is, the second Moses. Moses came and he delivered what? The truth of God. Jesus comes and he delivers the truth of God as the truth. He is the ultimate truth giver. And that's who this prophet that Moses was speaking about. It's Jesus. And he says to take heed to his words because every word that comes from his mouth is from God. And he says, if we don't take heed, what happens? We're destroyed. We're destroyed. And so this is big. This is life and death. This is eternal life and eternal death that's on the line. And Peter is saying, this is ultimate reality. Jesus, it begins here. And he wants the crowd to wake up to that. And So here's the question today. What are you trusting in? What are you banking on? Because according to this word, God is trustworthy from beginning to end. He's spoken through the prophets. He's made good on his word. He will not fail. His word goes out and it will not come back void. He fulfills what he foretells. Do you believe that today? Is that where your trust is in? Because he is the foundation of all truth. He's the foundation of all morality. He's the foundation of all beauty. It's him. And his trustworthiness is. It's an unwavering unwavering absolute. So what are you trusting in? Because if we forsake it, if we forsake God, political life, social life, family life, all of life is just left up to the winds of human wishes that in the end lead to destruction. So we've got to embrace the truth of God and the ultimate reality of Jesus. And then look at the second point. Look at verse uh, 24. He says something here, and this is the second point, is this, the second point of reality is that God is God of all history, past, present, and future. I wish, man, I wish as a, as a high school student sitting in school, I would have captured this because it would have made history a lot funner. I, I've embraced and enjoyed history a lot more out of school, right? And I think because I've, I've awakened to this point that God is the God of all history, past, present, and future. And that's what we see right here. Look at verse 24. Listen to what he says. And likewise, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and his successors onward also announced these days. What does that mean? What's he talking about? Announced what day? So I want you to get this. God is the God of all history, past, present, and future. He is eternal. He created all time and space. And he is sovereign over all things and all days and all ages. So so I want you to get this. He he doesn't just um, stand before time and says, well, this is what's going to happen in the future, and just sits back and just watches. Now, he's active. Yeah, he he knows it all. He knows what's going to happen. But, but he is active in it. And, and, and so when we say he's sovereign over all things, he, he is working even now on behalf of you and I. And so Peter says, these days. Now what's important about what he says right here? What we see right here is we see historical order. The historical order of God. And this is big because guess what? You and I are part of history. You might be saying, well, I'm still here. No, no I know, but you're part of the story. And, and so you've got breath this morning. You've got life this morning. And so if we don't get this, if we miss what he's saying here, we miss the meaning of why you're here or why I'm here. And, and so catch this with me here because what he says about these days speaks to how you and I must live them out. And so listen to what he says about these days. The first thing he shows us is, is he's, gonna, he's gonna divide these days in three ways that were talked about, three ways. And so look at verse 22 again. We looked at it already, but listen to what it talks about. It says this, it says, Moses said, to the Lord, uh, said this, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren to whom you shall give heed to everything he says to you. So we've already said who this is talking about, right? It's talking about Jesus. And so God will raise up this one, and He raises up Jesus. And so what that means is that the words of Moses were fulfilled. And so the first days that it's talking about right here is the days of Jesus. Jesus was born, and then we know He died, He rose again, and He ascended. We saw that even in Acts chapter 1. And so what do we know about the significance of that? Listen to what some other verses say. Paul says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 11 says, now these things happened to them as an example. Happened to who? I'll give you a little um, Cliff Notes version right here. In 1 Corinthians 10, right before here, Paul is talking about Moses. He's talking about the Old Testament and the Israelites. And so when he says, now these things happened to them as an example, he says, He's talking about the Old Testament. And he says, They were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Upon whom have the end of the ages come? You and I. You and I. And then listen to this, Hebrews 1, 1 through 2. The writer says, and in many ways, or excuse me, God, after he spoke a long ago to the prophets, in the, in, or to the fathers in the prophets, excuse me, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his son. And so, what are the last days? It, it begins with the coming of Jesus and continues even now. And so, what's the significance of this? What's the first set of days that Peter's talking about, it's the life of Jesus, the earthly life of Jesus. John Piper puts it this way, he says Christmas, the coming of Jesus, divides history in two ages. The age of promise and the age of fulfillment. And I think we see that here. And so when Jesus comes, Peter says, that's that first days that I want you to get. And so we've got to take heed to him. Now the second set of days is found in verse 19. Listen to what he says here. He says, therefore repent, return, so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so what are those days of refreshing, those times of refreshing, that era of refreshing? He says right here, it comes when sins are forgiven. And so, when is the preaching of the forgiveness of sins happening? It happened, yes, in the days of Jesus, but when does it really ramp up at the day of Pentecost? And so, what you have right here, this day of refreshing that comes from the presence of the Lord, is the day which the Holy Spirit comes. It's the age of the church. It's now, it's this present age. It's the days that we live in, they're the days of refreshing. Why are they refreshing? Because the gospel, the good news that Jesus came and died for us is going out. And when God awakens a heart to the good news of Jesus Christ and saves that soul, refreshment comes. Their soul goes from death to life, from darkness now to light. And what Christian in here would not say, oh, what refreshing. Yeah, yeah, your soul was awakened. That's the day we live in and it's a season that that will end according to what he says right here listen to what happens look at the next uh, set of days it's the third set and it's in verse 20 through 21 and this is significant because this means that the life we have now what we do with Jesus the ultimate reality is big is big and so listen to verse 20 and 21 he says this he says And that he may send Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets from ancient times. So listen here. What he's saying is, is that heaven has received Jesus. That happened at his ascension. That's where Jesus is now. Heaven is where Jesus is. He reigns in all authority, even now in heaven. And so heaven has received Jesus, but he will come again. And when he comes again, he will bring a period of restoration. The days of restoration. He will make all things new. The Bible tells us that Jesus will come like a thief in the night when you're not expecting it. You don't know the day or the time, but he will come and return again. And guys, that's what we're hopeful for. That's what we're waiting for in this time of refreshing. We're waiting for the season and the time of restoration where he will come and make all things new. And let me just put a pause button on this for a second. This is real. (laughs) This isn't movies. This isn't made up stuff. This isn't story time readings. This isn't fable. This isn't just to be left up into the whim of, of human wishes of, oh, well, well what, what's going to be is going to be. There is great truth to that statement. Yes, what God has ordained will be. But you weren't created to be flippant about the things of God and the days that you have here on earth. Because there is a day of reckoning that will come with the day of Restoration. And if we're not ready for the day of restoration, our reckoning will be destruction. And so that's why waking up to ultimate reality is huge. Because we have these days and we don't know if we even have tomorrow. But a day of restoration is coming. And I don't know about you and I, but that should leave us as the church very hopeful, very excited and ready and waiting and saying, come Lord Jesus, come, come. And these days are coming. When he comes again, he will take us unto himself. The Bible says that he will give us glorified bodies. I don't know what that looks like, but man, I'm ready for that. He will give us bodies fitted for a new heaven and a new earth. There will be no more pain. There will be no more tragedy. There will be no more catastrophes. There will be no more futility or wasteful living. We will be with Jesus. We'll be with him forever. Now, I want to make this statement, and we're going to close on this. If we are ready, we are most blessed. If we are not ready, we should be most pitied. If we're ready, we'll be blessed. If we're not most pitied. And and here's why. Look at the last thing. And this is what I want to just share with you this morning. The third point of reality and then we'll be done is this. Is I want you to know God's kind intention. His kind intention is to bless you. What I mean by that is that his kind intention is to show you favor that you do not deserve. Is to show you and I grace that we cannot earn. That we cannot do anything to please God to receive, but on his own, he wants to show us favor. He wants to bless us so that we can experience joy like we've never experienced in our life. That kind of blessing, that kind of blessing. And here's what I mean. Look at, look at the text. Look at verse 25 through 26. Because he shared this big scope of time from the past to the future to speak of the reality, the ultimate goal of pointing to to God's Savior, Jesus Christ. And he wants us to see lastly that this is God's kind intention toward us. And look at this, verse 25, he says this. He says, it is you. So, So the crowd he's talking to, he's making it very personal He's saying it is you, Jews, specifically, but I think let's, let's camp out there this morning and say, okay, you know what? I want this to be personal to me too. He says here, it is you who are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant, which God made with your fathers. And so as he's talking to the Jews, this lands, because they get this. They're the sons of the prophets and of the covenants that God gave to them. And then he says this, saying to Abraham, and in your seed all the families of the earth Shall be blessed. This is a promise that he made to Abraham that his descendants w- would be blessed and that they would bless the families of the earth, that they would be a blessing to other people. That's who the Jews were intended to be. That was God's kind intention with the Jews. But we know they missed it. They missed it. But God's purposes still carried on even with their opposition and rejection. He continued to be faithful. And listen to what he says in verse 26. For you first, talking about the Jews, God raised up his servant and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. Isn't that amazing? He he spoke this word through Abraham, to Abraham, thousands of years ago. And this same blessing is for those who turn to Jesus who God has raised up, and when they trust in him, the same blessing that God has desired to bless all people with through all times is available. And who is it available through? Christ. But how? I want to answer that question, how? How can we receive this grace? How can we receive this blessing Of God. How does it come to you and I? He tells us in two places in this text. Verse 19 says, Repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away. What does repent mean? Repent means you're going in this direction and you stop going in that direction and you start and you turn around. You have a change of mind. You're thinking this way, now you're thinking differently. You're taking the recommendations of the world, now you stop and you start listening to God's word. That's what repent means. And you turn to Jesus. The next place we see it is in verse 26. He says here that for you first God raised up a servant and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you repenting, causing you to turn every one of you from your wicked ways. How does that happen? And real quickly in Acts 15:9 he tells us how it happens. That cleansing comes by faith. Being cleansed, being turned away from wicked ways, being cleansed from your sins comes only by belief in Jesus. That's how one receives the blessing of God that he has promised from the ages to Abraham and on. And so today, real simply, do you know the blessed life that God has for you? Do you know the gospel? Do you know that he sent Jesus to die for you? And that he rose Christ up from the grave so that you could have your sins forgiven and that physical death would, would merely be, be a speed bump in the road of life and that you would be ushered into eternity to see Jesus face to face. Have you trusted in Jesus so that that's your destiny. You see, that's the blessed life, is that Jesus has conquered wickedness. He's conquered our sin. He did it on the cross. He paid for the price that you and I deserve. And so maybe this morning, you're like the crowd. Maybe you need a reality check. Maybe you need a reality check. The most loving thing that Peter could do, he did it on this day. He shared truth. The most loving thing that I can do on this day is share truth. The most loving thing that you as a believer in Christ can do to your neighbors, to your friends, to your family members, is to share reality, to share truth. That's what the world needs. That is how God awakens the world to himself. It's through people sharing the truth of God. People need reality checks. We've all needed them before. Today, if you're needing that reality check, waking up to spiritual reality, I I pray that you would take heed to the scripture and take and believe in Christ as your Lord and Savior. Let's pray.